0: morning everybody oh goodness gracious me morning everybody oh a little bit better morning everybody joining us online it's really always a privilege to be able to be in a place of speaking and sharing the word of God with people because of the ability that it has to absolutely transform people's lives and bring change and Through the Word, see miraculous things happen. And really today I am of the conviction, as I always am in preaching the Word of God, but there's something just probably special for me about the Word today, and I'm truly believing that if you open your heart and you lay hold of what I'm going to share this morning, that you will see God do mighty, miraculous things in your life. You know, we don't always have to be experiencing something negative Experiencing to be able to experience the miraculous. Often we say, God, we need a miracle when things seem to be going wrong, but we can also experience greater miracles and God opening doors and, and avenues into our lives to build on something that's already good. And so, I'm trusting that you would experience mighty God today, as I'm picking up on the second name in on the series that we're doing, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, if we can have that up, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so I'm picking up, I have the wonderful privilege of being able to share on Mighty God. And... So, before we get into the word, let's just pray. Father, I thank you for the time that we have together as your church. What a privilege it is to be able to come and gather. Father, when we think of so many people who are not in the privileged position of being able to meet together, when we think of so many people who are persecuted for doing this very thing, where their lives are in danger simply because they want to be in a place of gathering together as the saints and sitting under your word, and being partakers of the word of God. And so God, I pray that you would just heighten a privilege in our hearts today to be grateful for the fact that we are even here. Even when we think of the technology, Lord, that we have access to technology that enables us to be able to hear the word of God freely, without fear of persecution, without fear of losing our lives and our families, or spending our time in prison because of it. So it's with gratitude, God, that we place ourselves under your word and receive your word today. I pray against any plan or strategy of the enemy to hinder, to distract in any way the reception of God's word. I take authority over any distraction, any hindrance to stop the word from finding that for which God has purposed it today in fullness in Jesus' name. And as I'm submitted unto God, I resist every plan and strategy of the enemy, and I resist him, and he has to flee. I thank you, God, that even right now, I thank you that you release, where people may be in discomfort in any way whatsoever here online in their homes, that you, mighty God, release your power, you send your word, and you heal them. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So knowing God and getting to know God, and I think as we do this, this four-part four series, four part, four part series, that knowing God and getting to know God is an absolute, it is absolutely imperative that we get to know God. And it sometimes becomes a bit of a cliche as to we need to get to know God. But it's, and it's not just knowing about God, but it's getting to know God. And in, these, in, in this Isaiah 9, 6, God is revealing to us asp- aspects and attributes of his character that he just doesn't want us to know about, but he wants us to experience in our everyday lives. Every day. He wants to be a wonderful counselor. He wants to be a mighty God. He wants to be the everlasting father. And he wants to be the prince of peace. And it's not something that he wants us just to know about, oh, God is this. He wants us to experience him in this way every day of our lives. But as I'm sharing on mighty God, there's something about might and power that I think sometimes, you know, we can often live our lives unconscious or not conscious of the fact that we are really dependent upon a power outside of ourselves. And if we really don't know that, all we have to do is know about Eskimo and load shedding. We're seriously dependent, and sometimes we become oblivious to the fact that we are completely dependent upon a power, a person, a powerful person, outside of ourselves. And it can become commonplace where there's a lack of reliance upon that power To sustain us, not only in difficulty, but just to sustain us day in and day out, there is a power that we are completely dependent upon. Now, I came across a really interesting, humorous illustration about somebody who didn't have an understanding of power. And unfortunately, many times, us in the church, and Isaiah chapter 4, verse 6, says this. He says, my people are destroyed because they do not know me. It's not because they don't know about me, but because they do not know me. And so what happens is the enemy steals from people's lives. But just by way of illustration, and some of you may have heard it. um, I mean, I don't know how old the illustration is, but some of you may have heard this illustration already but here is somebody, a chap who has absolutely no clue about how dependent he should be on the power outside of himself. There's a 747 jet airliner flying across the Atlantic towards London. And as they've they've been flying about halfway into the flight and the captain comes on and he says, ladies and gentlemen, I'm really sorry to have to report this, but we have lost an engine. But not to worry, all that it means is that our flight will be delayed getting into London by an hour. And, but a 747 has the power to be able to fly on three engines, so we really have nothing to worry about. Not long after that, um, he comes back on and he says, ladies and gentlemen, I'm really sorry to report, but we've lost the second engine. But really nothing to worry about because once the, the 747 has the ability to fly on two engines, and the only problem is we will get into London, he threw two hours late, So everybody breathes a bit of sigh of relief, nothing to worry about, but two hours late, not too bad. About an hour later, the captain comes back on and he says, ladies and gentlemen, I'm really sorry to report, but we've just lost our third engine. But nothing to worry about, we have the ability to fly on on one engine. That is the way the aircraft is designed, so you need not worry about it. It just means that we're gonna get into London Heathrow three hours late, at which point a passenger jumps up and he shouts, oh, for Pete's sake, if we lose the fourth engine, we're gonna be up here all night. (laughs) Right? Someone who had no clue, an understanding of needing to depend on power. You know, losing the fourth, we're gonna be up here all night. But sadly, church, often as believers, we, because we do not understand, Hosea 4, 6, God says we perish because of lack of knowledge. Not a knowledge, a head knowledge of God, knowing just about God and the attributes of God, but a knowledge, an internal experiential knowing Of God so that we appropriate God in our everyday lives, knowing the power that is there for us to draw on in everyday life, no matter what our circumstances are. And so I know that God is wanting us to find ourselves in the place of where we go through our lives, not just only to overcome adversity, but to be able to appropriate what Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 10, the thief comes only but to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come that you, they may have life and live it to the full. Now, unfortunately in the English, the word mighty God does really not do justice or paint the correct picture of what the word is trying to communicate here. When you actually go and look at the definition, the Hebrew word, which would have that what it would have been written in, original Hebrew in the Old Testament, the word for Mighty God is El Gibor. It actually sounds quite cool, El Gibor. Doesn't you think that sounds like, mm. huh? Why don't we just say it? Say El Gibor. Now you may sound Russian when you say it. It's like El Gibor. Right? But that's what the word means in Hebrew. It means El Gabor, which not only refers to strength and power, but often in the context that is used here, it is used to describe strength, power in a military context or in a warrior context. So basically, it's also saying, um, wonderful counselor, warrior God. Mighty God in a military context. Context. So that is who he is trying to communicate himself to us as. Not just mighty as in strong, but he who has no rival. He who has no equal. A God that is almighty, as he'll refer to, but also one who is bigger than. And when we look at the word, even the word Gibor in the Greek, it means this. It means. Dunatos is the Greek word, and it says, one who possesses great power, having the ability to alter circumstances. So, the one that God is communicating to us here in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 is, I am the one who has the ability to alter circumstances. It's not just a mental assent as to we all have this mighty God who is the creator of all creation. He's, he's, he's kind of out there. But I am the one who is able to step into any circumstance, any situation, and show myself mighty as a warrior, not just strong, but as one who will go in and fight on your behalf. To bring about deliverance, to bring about provision, to bring about healing, and to protect your life and your family's lives. And right now, in this day and age, and where we're reliving right now, the church needs to know Al Gibor in a way that we've never known him before. Because we are faced and constantly under threat in the society in which we live. We're under threat with COVID right now, but we need one who is a mighty warrior, who stands in a place, a warrior God. To fight on our behalf. Moses speaking of God in Deuteronomy chapter ten seventeen, and this is why Moses found himself in the position, remember, he just experienced mighty God in the deliverance of the Israelites out of Egypt. And in, in Deuteronomy ten seventeen it says, For God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the El Gibor, and the awesome God. But it goes on to say, and I didn't put it there, that he does not show partiality nor take a bribe. Unfortunately, many times in our lives, what we do is we think, yeah, but he'll do it for them. But he explicitly says he does not show partiality. And so for each and every single one of us, God is wanting us to take a hold of the truth that he does not show partiality. He wants to be a mighty warrior God for you and for I, me, I, you and I, you and I, English. It was said of him when he stood and rebuked the wind and the waves, for those of you who can remember the account where Jesus stands up, there's a storm raging. And he rebukes the wind and the waves, and the disciples say of him, what manner of man is this that the wind and the waves obey him? And right there and then he is demonstrating himself as a warrior God, a mighty God, so that even nature obeys him. But what manner of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? So to get an understanding of this, we need to look at history. We have to look at accounts in history, not so. The Word of God is an historical account. And again, it's something we need to know. We need to know that this isn't just, this is like your history book. It's amazing how we will study history and we'll believe everything going on in our history books. And yet sometimes people struggle with this book. This is a history book. It is a historical account, true fact of things that have taken place in history. And God reveals himself as El Gabor to us continually as we look at accounts in history. And why Paul says that we need to understand him as that, to get an understanding of Al Gibor, the mighty God, in order is so that we may imprint it on our hearts and our minds and allow it to be in a place of where we can see him superimposed on anything that we face in our lives because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, But against principalities, powers, rulers of this darkness, of this age, Spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand and withstand the evil day, having done all to stand, stand. Which clearly indicates that we are in battles, but we do not have the power in ourselves. We are dependent on a power greater than us and outside of ourselves, even though we are filled with the Spirit of God, we are filled with the power of God, but it's His power, His Spirit, that enables us to overcome and stand. the battles he allows himself to be shown and manifest himself in our lives as mighty God because we face spiritual battles and when we look at history we can see in the word of God and I'm just going to allude to it because Colin did last week there are so many accounts that we can look at in the word of God but how do we see him when it comes to deliverance how do we see him shaping natural circumstances and situations to bring about mighty deliverances? I don't think sometimes we understand the power that had to be released in order to bring an entire nation out of captivity into another place of freedom and liberty. We see it when Moses is bringing the nation of Israel out of Egypt and God splits the Red Sea. The nation of Israel is standing in a place, the Red Sea in front of them, the, Israel, the Egyptian army behind them, and and this is where they have to see a mighty God demonstrate and manifest himself on their behalf. And so what he does, and just simply because of time, because I can see like I'm, I'm really running out of time here, that he stands and he rebukes. God says to him, raise your hand. The sea opens. Israel goes through on dry land. The Egyptians give chase and the sea closes in upon them. But this is what is said. Uh, one of the Egyptians during that time, says this, we need to, and as as he's pursuing, as they're pursuing Israel, he says this, he says, we need to get out of here. Why? He says, because, let us get out of here because the Lord is fighting for them against us. So there was a recognition that somebody had stepped onto the scene to bring them into a place Israel into a place of deliverance and Egyptians into a place of destruction. But there was a revelation where God was showing himself as a mighty God, a warrior God, a delivering God, not just a strong God, but a warrior God, where if you touch my people, you're touching me. And for each and every single one of us, we need to get the revelation when the enemy touches us, he touches him. And so he shows himself as El Gabor in that historical account of Israel being delivered out of captivity where the natural, what manner of man is this, that the wind and the waves, be, wind and the waves be, obey him, he splits the Red Sea and they go through to a place of freedom. What about Provision. Well, we see it very clearly in the book of John chapter six, five and five to thirteen, um, the feeding of the five thousands, also known as the miracle of the five loaves and the two fish. where God John reports that Jesus used five loaves and two fish to feed. 5,000, but there were actually a lot more than 5,000 because in those days they only used to count the men, but there were families, so there must have been about 12,000 people. When God steps on to the scene in, as a mighty God, He takes, as Jesus prays and the, and, the, and the loaves and fishes are blessed, God steps on as a powerful God, a mighty God, and He takes that which is little. And he multiplies it so that it's able to feed 5,000 men only plus women and children. 12,000 people with probably five loaves and two fish. Because a little lunch was nothing until Jesus got hold of it. And you're little and whatever you're struggling with and whatever you're not seeing multiplied. And you might say, God, I don't have much. But until mighty God gets hold of it and is able to do incredible, amazing, jaw-dropping stuff with your little. What about healing? In the book of Romans chapter 4 verse 19, and we're just quickly going through some snapshots of accounts where God is showing himself who he is as a mighty God, where he steps into situations that seem impossible, but impossible is nothing when it comes to God, right? It speaks of Abraham who produced an heir. It speaks of him, and it says, without losing faith in Elgibor without losing faith in a mighty god one who possesses the ability to to change and alter circumstances without losing faith in him abraham was nearly 100 years old he looked he took into account his own body which was as good as dead he looked at sarah's womb which was as good as dead i don't know how that looks what do you think scott it was as good as dead a hundred, nothing happening, no action either way. Some of you are getting all embarrassed over there, that's cool. But we've got to understand the reality of this. His body was as good as dead. They couldn't run off to some fertility clinic and say, hey, we need IV treatment here, IVF. His body was as good as dead, her womb was as good as dead. But never losing faith in the one who's able to alter circumstances and situations. El Gabar, the warrior God, who steps into situations and changes things to line up with who he is, not the circumstance, not the not the difficulty, not the adversity, but line up with who he is. He steps into that situation because Abraham's hanging on to God. You gotta be a mighty God for me here, right now. You promised me an heir, and so I'm gonna hold on to it with every. Everything in me. And what does he say? He says, if I created the galaxies, what's a womb? What's a womb? He created the galaxies. What's your circumstance? What's your adversity? What's your difficulty? What is as good as dead? It wasn't maybe dead. It was as good as dead. Dead. Book of John eleven forty three. we have the account of Lazarus. Lazarus, for those of you who know the story, he's a guy that dies, in case you don't know the story, and he's been dead for four days, and they come and they call Jesus and they say, listen, come and pray for Jesus, your friend, he's dead. Well, they call him before Jesus knows, but when he arrives on the scene, they say, what are you doing here, he's been dead for four days. They underestimate the warrior gods, the mighty God. And he says, if I created the galaxies, if I created the world in seven days, what's four days? I made it, I made the world in seven, what's four? I am mighty. I have the ability to alter circumstances and situations. You just got to keep your faith in who I am, not your ability, nothing else going on around you. And so we see God demonstrating himself mighty when it comes to deliverance, to provision, these stories of protection, and these stories of healing. But what about today? Modern day, probably not so modern day for some of you, 1947, 1967, deliverance. In 1967, if you go and just read historical accounts, you'll read about the Six-Day War where Israel went to war with the Arabs, Plus, they had the Soviet backing, and so they enter into a natural war, 1967, some of you weren't born, well, no, many of you, I think, in this place, when I look around, probably a lot of you weren't born, but it's okay, you were in the pipeline. <laughs> Abrams, maybe, I don't know, not Abrams, but someone, you were there. And so what happens, Israel enter into the Six-Day War. Now, I'm not getting political here. It's not whether who's who and the Arabs and the Palestinians. It's a historical fact that's documented as to where God intervened as a mighty warrior on behalf of a people who called upon his name as a mighty warrior, called upon him, trusted him to deliver them. You need to know this about this war. That Syria... Iraq, Jordan, Egypt, and the Soviet Union were combined forces against the nation of Israel. There were nearly half a million troops, twice as much as Israel, more than twice the number of tanks, four times the number of aircraft that Israel had. Israel went and asked the US, Big Brother, to come and help, and they refused to intervene. And it was an absolute massacre waiting to happen. the forces lined up against Israel, and it was really, it was like, this is now slaughter. In the natural, when you look at war strategy. But what happened is they had been calling upon God, when you go and read about the accounts of generals and people who were governing at that time, they were calling upon God for wisdom. And God gave them wisdom that they needed to act upon it, and they launched a preemptive strike against Egypt, you can go and read it. Really go and read it. But if you want to read something really exciting. But as the, so the Israeli Air Force took to the sky. The first miracle for Israel happened. And I'm going to have to cut out some simply because of time. But the first miracle happened. The Jordanian radar, which would have picked up the planes coming, tried to warn Egypt about the oncoming preemptive strike that Israel said, we better get in here fast, guys. Because if we don't, we are going to die. They tried to warn Egypt, but the Egyptians had changed their coding frequencies that very day, the previous day. And they had not yet got around to updating the Jordanians about the change of codes. So when they were sending through, these guys are on their way and they're coming to, to, to hit us, there was no codes going through because they had failed to tell the Jordanians about the update. So they never picked up, the Egyptians never picked up the update that Israel was on their way. The message never went through and Israel obviously sprung the element of surprise and they had no time to react. The Israeli Air Force destroyed six Egyptian airfields, hundreds of planes in a single day. They basically wiped out the Egyptian Air Force and also the Syrian Air Forces in a day. An account is documented that during a ground offensive of this attack, an Israeli tank is stranded amongst a whole bunch of Egyptian tanks. And so basically these guys are ambushed and they're going to lose their lives. It is a documented fact. The commander of this Israeli tank cries out and he says, Hashem, an understanding of who God is. You led your ancestors through this wilderness with a pillow of fire. Please show us the path on which you led your fathers out from this place in the desert. Show us the path that you led them out, this little tank surrounded by an Egyptian army. Show us how to get out of here. And incredibly, look at this, the crew spotted a ridgeway as if illuminated from above. That led them through the difficult territory away from the enemy and back to safety. After praying, after being surrounded, a ridgeway illuminated because someone called on a mighty warrior of God. I don't have time to go through the absolute miracles that took place, but basically, bottom line, Israel won a war that they should never have won because they'd called on a mighty God. A modern day miracle, a war. A war. And God has no favorites. Yes, Israel is chosen, but he's not their favorite. Because he has no favorites. The Torah says, and they have an understanding of this, the Jewish people. I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the people against who come against you. And I will make your enemies turn their backs on you. They even found accounts of where the Egyptians had just deserted and left all their tanks and run off. Because there was so much confusion. We read of accounts like that in the word of God, don't we? But we've got to know that a mighty God showed himself as Al Gabor on their behalf to deliver a nation. Provision, modern day provision. Even though this is long modern day provision, I, I love this story. We, I, I think I've told it 100,000, not quite. That's, that's like evangelistic talk there, right? I've told it many times. I first heard it when Fiona taught on it about how big is your God. And this is an account of during the Second World War, the Japanese had sided with Hitler. And they had started to attack China. And so what they were doing, they were flying into mainland China from the coast. And there was this thin strip of land where villages were basically caught between the sea and behind them was a mountain range of which they could do absolutely nothing. So these villages were trapped. And the Japanese came in, They landed and came in with with weather boats or whatever the story was, and they completely destroyed all the fields, all harvest of these people in the village. They burnt down a lot of the village's homes, and so these people were completely destroyed. And what the Japanese did is they said, we won't even kill all of them, we'll leave them to starve, because we've destroyed all their crops. Living in that village was an Assemblies of God missionary and family, and so what he did is he got the family together, and he called the villagers who were left together, and he said, "We need to pray. We need a mighty work of God in our midst. We need pray." And so they got together and they started to worship and pray. Documented fact, act, fact. And they'd been praying for many hours when the daughter of the missionary who'd been playing around outside ran in and said, come, come and see, it's raining grain from the sky. And all, of the, all the people, they ran outside and true, it was raining grain. And grain was heaping up in piles. They were facing starvation, but grain was heaping. Heaping, uh, Raining grain in heaps around them. And when they investigated the incident, they found out that 1,500 miles away in outer Mongolia, God, the mighty one, Al Gabor, had gone to war on their behalf. What manner of man is this? It speaks to the wind, wind and the waves, had rustled up a hurricane, a tornado, swept over. Grain silos in outer Mongolia knocked over the grain silos. The tornado picked up all the grain, took it 1,500 miles across, and dropped it exactly where the missionaries in that village were praying. Mighty God! Mighty God! cannot argue with history. I've got five minutes to tell you this, I think. Little did I know that when I'd been asked to preach this word, that I'd be needing to appropriate a warrior God for my life. A week after that um, Hilt had spoken to me and he said we'd like to share on a mighty God during this time, a week later, my father had to be rushed to emergency. And, <clears throat> you know, it's one thing to, 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 to know it. That's why I said it's one thing to have knowledge about a mighty God. It's another thing to have to, to engage with a mighty God. But little did I know that I would be needing to engage a warrior God that would be with myself and people around me where we'd be fighting for my dad's life. (laughs) I really believe that there's some of you well, not some of you, we all need this, right? We all need to see a mighty God moving on our behalf. But basically, to cut a long story short, he went in. they found, uh, they found a, sm- a tumor, a cancerous tumor on his colon. Um, a very fit man, mm-hmm. found a cancerous tumor on his colon. The surgeon who actually saw it said to me, he said, Adele, this won't kill your dad, it's that small, we're gonna cut it out um, and he'll be fine. But what we have to do ahead of this is we have to we have to insert an intestinal stent to open up a blockage that's developed in his in, intestines so that we can release that. And then once that's done, you come back two and a half weeks later because remember general anesthetic for anybody is not great. He's 93, he goes in. Um, we're just gonna need to do an intestinal stent, drain, drain whatever's stopping the blockage, come back two and a half weeks later and then we will do the op on his colon, we'll get rid of the tumor great all his vitals are good, he's good goes in for the operation and I'm like great, got, got my amazing fuse group to pray and the amazing people that I work with and my leaders are praying and friends are praying and I get a call he goes in, he comes out, I get a call to say you need to get here now we have to take your father back into emergency surgery two things are happening now, you must understand things are happening, is that I be, be, when I get that call as I'm about to leave for the hospital, because they say we don't know whether he'll make it, two anesthetics in, in a number of hours Andre Posma phones me, Dr. Andre Posma and he says to me, Adele, he says I want to tell you something he says this afternoon Lazon's aunt is in the hospital but she went to see her and then she tried to see her dad, but she didn't get to see him. And if I remember the story correctly, but when she got back to the room, she said, Andre, you have to go and see Adele's dad. You have to go and see. So now what happens is Andre then he says, yes, okay. But she's very, very insistent. You have to go. So he goes. And he walks into the ward. My father's just come not long out of surgery. And he walks in and he looks at him and he says, there's something seriously wrong here. And he did a quick exam and he quickly phoned the surgeon that did the operation. He said to him, you guys, this man's colon, you've perforated his colon. And he's got a leak, which means that he's now up for septicemia. But Andre had got there quick enough to be able to get him rushed back into Surgery. The surgeon that operated on him said, to him said to me when he saw me there, he said, you know what? He says, I never operated at night. He's a very well-known surgeon and apparently brilliant. He said, I don't, not, don't normally do this, but here I am. Do the operation. And my father comes through the operation. Al Gabor. Right? Warrior God. Saint Andre Posma, because of Lazan's insistence fighting on my behalf because of the prayers of the saints that are being offered to a God on behalf of his life. He gets into ICU and he's there and he's starting to show signs of recovery, but I'm getting phone calls from the ICU doctors and they're saying, look, have you made, if you had discussions with your father, you know, he's an old man. And have you had discussions? Because, you know, he's on life support now. He's on a ventilator, but we're not too sure. I said, no, I haven't. He anyway, seems to, he starts to recover, and he comes off the ventilator, and he's starting to recover. And just as we get into a place of thank you, God, mighty God, can't just preach it, They phoned me on the Friday and they said, look, uh, your father's picked up a a very serious severe infection in ICU. And we're not sure if he's going to make it. And we want to know if you want would put him back on life support or what do you want us to do? Because he's an old man and these words that I'm sensing continually, life and death is in the power of the tongue. So my fight is God, you're a mighty God, you're a warrior God, I'm asking you to destroy the power of the words being spoken over his life that he's an old man, no reason to die. Mighty God. Come, he's come through that, and after that, he, she was sharing with me in a very frail manner. He said, Adele, and he got, had no idea of what I'm preaching on. He had no idea of a warrior God that we are speaking about today. And he said to me, Adele, the battle's been fierce. He says, it's been extremely fierce. He said, because God gave me a vision. Vision of him being isolated in this very dark place, and he was aware of God and this darkness, and he could sense this battle raging over his life. And there came a point when there was just like this loud explosion that took place, and as he looked up, he said he could see people's faces cheering who had been praying for him. El Ghwar. And he sensed the presence of God. And at that moment, something turned. We're still in a battle. He's out of ICU. He's in a normal ward. But as, the, as time has gone on, there has been strategy and plan. And all I've done and can do is appeal to mighty God. There are people in this room today. The reason I'm telling you this is because I want to encourage you. There is a mighty God who will war on your behalf. Our responsibility is to take a hold of Him, to align ourselves with Him, and not give up. I know there are people who don't always have the outcome they're looking for, but you know what? Jesus has always won. He won the battle for us, and all of us here in this room today have experienced him in one way or another. Because if we are sitting here and we have received Christ as our Lord and Savior, he went to war on your life, on your behalf and mine, to bring us out of death and into a place of life. On a cross, he showed himself as a mighty warrior. And he's that for you today. Amen.